Thank you, choir. That was absolutely beautiful. And very appropriate, because buckle up, this is a big one. <laughs> We're starting a series called Jehovah. Jehovah. Like I said, this is a big one. It's translated from Y-W-H. We translate that as Yahweh. That is the Hebrew writing. But as you can see, there are only four letters up there in the Hebrew. There are no vowels. When it was discovered, there were no vowels. So they put a few dots and dashes in and put vowels where they thought they might go. So we have this W, and you have to read it. Double, I mean the... Let me get it right here. Y-H-W-H. Okay? So that's what you have up there for Yahweh. Now, one thing you need to know about this beautiful name is a lot of people won't say it. When they see it, you will hear them say, Adonai. I had a professor, actually my Hebrew professor, who refused to say Yahweh. He said, no, 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 I don't deserve it. It's Adonai. The Masoretes, before they wrote it down, they went through a deep cleansing ceremony just to write the letters because it's so holy and so big. And they dare not spoke the name. Because to speak someone's name means that you had some sort of ownership of them. So they didn't speak the name. It was that holy. And in the Bible, there are a lot of Jehovah names. Now, what you need to know is Jehovah is because, well, there were no vowels. A lot of people started pronouncing it in various ways. And... In the Middle Ages, they kind of changed it a little bit. But when King James got a hold of it in the 1600s, that's when Jehovah was born. That's when these were translated as a J instead of an H. Or the Y, rather. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little confused here. And it's funny because... Even in our Bibles, especially if you look at a King James Version, you will see that Lord is written differently. As we will see in the first couple of verses of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Lord is normally all in caps. And it's usually in a different font. Series, pick up a King James Version of the Bible and look at it. That's what they do because the Lord, Jehovah, is so important. But the Lord is my shepherd is Jehovah Ra. It's the first of our series today. And what you also need to know is Jehovah is basically the Latinization of the Hebrew, Yahweh. So it became Jehovah. So our first scripture is actually from John 10, which was read to us by Gary. 
so beautifully in the first, let's see, Gary, I think you did 14, chap 14 verses? I don't know. Where are you? Yes. Do you know how many verses you read of it? Well, would you like to hear it again? It's good stuff, folks, because this is Jesus living out what it means to be the Lord is our shepherd. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep's pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the good shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to pick it, take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said... These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? Let us pray. Holy God, I pray that you open our eyes, open our ears, open our entire beings to hear what you would have to say this day, Lord. And as always, Lord, I, I have something written here, but blow it up if you want to for your glory in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. In this life, we hear a lot of voices, don't we? A lot of voices, especially in this day and time. Voices coming at us from all over the place. Some we know and some we don't know. Jesus' voice is one that we should know thoroughly. 
We should be so familiar with his voice that we can tell he's talking to us. And in this text this morning, sheep and shepherds all over the place. So Jesus decides to use something that everybody in the room with him knows and understands. It's a very common thing to see sheep. They were very important to the life in this early Middle Eastern time. As a matter of fact, a man's wealth could be judged by how many sheep he actually had. I mean, sheep were used to provide clothing. They were used for meat, milk, wineskins, and animals to sacrifice at the temple of God. It was very important to know something about sheep. So Jesus uses this as his example as he is talking. What's amazing is when you read the book of John, it starts with Jesus being called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist as he baptizes him. As he's Well, actually, he's coming forward to be baptized. And then, of course... He takes away the sins and everything. It's just amazing. All of the many times Jesus talks about sheep. And everyone in Israel is very much aware of this. Now another thing you need to understand here is in this passage, he's talking to the Pharisees. If you read chapter 9 before you read chapter 10 you realize this is one long discourse that Jesus is in a room talking to the Pharisees there are other people but there's really no bridge like and thus Jesus went to wherever it's all one conversation so hear this starting at verse 9 Sorry, chapter 9, verse 41 to chapter 10, verse 1. Some of the Pharisees heard him saying these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Verse 41. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Verse 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. There's no break there in Jesus talking with the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are the thieves and the robbers that he's talking about in the text. They're the ones who got their positions of being shepherd-like leadership without the blessing of the gatekeeper. They're not the faithful shepherds. They are the stranger that is stated in verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You see, the sheep belong to the true shepherd, and the true shepherd knows his own and will not be controlled by the Pharisees. The legitimate shepherd comes into the fold with the blessing of the gatekeeper and when he speaks, his own sheep know his voice. It says, but he who enters by the door is the, sheep of the is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, as in this painting. He goes in front of them. He doesn't go behind them, taking the staff and going, okay, this way, that way. He goes in front of them because they know his voice and all he has to do is say, follow me. And they go. Even though Jesus never says in exact terms at the beginning of this that he is the good shepherd, it's plain to see that he's referring to himself. You see, in chapter 9 is when he heals a blind man. And in healing this blind man, this blind man turns into a worshiper of Jesus Christ. But you see, the Pharisees have been heartless toward this man. So Christ has been the true shepherd to him. He has cared for him. But the Pharisees did not. They claim authority, but they have no care for the sheep. Therefore, John 10 verses 1 through 6 is a word picture of what is actually happening in chapter 9. Now, there's so much going on in this passage that as I was telling my husband about it this morning, he went, you could have done a series on this. And I went, you're right. I've got so much stuff here. But you need to understand that one of the things from chapter 9 is we're called to worship Christ. It is a calling on our lives. The blind man was healed and worshipped him. Whenever anyone comes in contact with Jesus Christ, they worship. They worship. And that's what we're supposed to do, worship him. We are to worship him as the eternal, omnipotent, all-wise creator and sustainer and redeemer of the universe. He holds it in his hands. He is God, one with the Father and the Spirit. We worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God, one God, in three divine persons. We believe in the Trinity. And we fall on our knees in worship. To worship Jesus. This is the context of John 10. And this is what Jesus intends for us to do in response to what he says. Again, chapter 9 unfolds with the blind man whose vision is not instantly restored, but is restored little bits at the time. And so he starts to see more and more light. But in contrast, the Pharisees are getting darker and darker. In John 9, 24, the Pharisees tell the healed man, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. But then look at John 9, 38. It says, the healed man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The division couldn't be any deeper in this particular passage with 9 and 10. It's either blasphemy, Pharisees, or worship. That's what it all comes down to. There's no fence sitting here or where we sit now. So knowing this, let's go back and look at the image Jesus is using of the sheep and, well, what we know about sheep. Anyone who's ever taken care of sheep 
are all well aware of the fact that sheep have to have a caretaker. Because, well, and I hate to say this, but sheep are really stupid animals. They're very stupid. They can literally drown in just inches of water. They will not get up and save themselves. Seriously. They will not. And they were created without any natural defense. They have no claws. They have no fangs. They cannot protect themselves. So sheep really aren't considered self-sufficient, are they? Yes? No? Okay. They are pitifully defenseless. They need help to live, don't they? The funny thing is we don't mind saying that about sheep, do we? Then we have no choice. We have to give up a little bit of dignity to realize that we and our own self-sufficiency have to give that up knowing what we know about sheep. And Christ calls us sheep. Now to drive this point home for those who are going, oh, I'm not so sure about this, um, we all have weaknesses to deal with. If you don't believe me, go to a hospital nursery and watch the newborns. They can't take care of themselves. And if that's not enough, go to an intensive care unit. That person can't take care of themselves. They need someone to care for them. Or go and spend time with advanced care patients at one of the nursing homes. We come in helpless, and most of us go out helpless. Very similar to sheep. But more importantly, if we believe that we're out in the wilderness spiritually, waiting to hear his voice. You see, spiritually, we're helpless from beginning, the beginning, and sometimes to the finish. And we need the shepherd. We are spiritually on our own if we don't have the shepherd to guide us. Isaiah 53 says, like sheep, all have gone astray. The thing that we need to pay attention to here is there are a lot of shepherds out there who want our, our ear. They want us to follow them. They want us to choose them. And we're given the choice of who to follow. There are many who would be glad to work you into their flock, like the Pharisees. There are many who are hardworking at gaining your trust. The question we need to ask is, which shepherd can we really rely on? Which one can we trust? Because, and well, this may be a shock, um, not all of them have your best interest in mind. That's why this chapter in John is so significant. Why it's so important for us to wrap our minds around it. You see, at the time of this passage in the Middle East, a shepherd could literally come into a pen where all of the sheep of the region were in. And he could call his sheep and they'd follow him out of the pen. And the other sheep wouldn't. They'd stay. They wouldn't go, hey, look, I wonder where they're going. Let's follow them. That's not what happens with sheep. They'd recognize the voice 
and they'd follow, even today. But as you will notice, one sheep is not following real well, so it's got a rope around its neck and having to be led. But the other two are following because they know the man's voice. Again, the sheep won't follow a stranger. We have to be careful who we let into our hearts sometimes. In fact, sheep will run away because they don't recognize his voice. So we need to learn how to recognize his voice. And we, we want to. There's a part of us that just really wants to. In the 80s, I don't know how many of you ever watched Cheers, the, the TV show Cheers, okay? Everybody knows that little ditty at the beginning, you know? And I don't know if I can sing it today, but I will attempt. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Your troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Guess what? Jesus knows us. He does. Scripture tells us that he knows every hair on our head. And also, in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, is what he told to Jeremiah. He knows us inside and out. He knows every little thing about you. God knows you. Isn't that great? He knows what we're capable of. He knows our hurts. He knows our joys. He knows our strength and he knows our weaknesses. And he knows them like nobody else does. He knows where we'll go when temptation strikes, how far we have to be pushed. He knows all of this. We couldn't ask for a better shepherd. Because he is the shepherd. Augustine tells us that God knows us better than we know ourselves. He does. In Hebrews 4.15 it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. He knows all of you. He knows me. It's all that we need now is to learn to listen for that voice so that we can get into this deep love relationship with Jesus to know him more. You see, here's the thing. He hasn't hidden himself. He's there waiting. It's just the opposite. We can trust Jesus Christ to be our shepherd because he knows us. He's let himself be known to us through his word and through his people, through other sheep who are following him. Now something more that we need to know and understand, I found in an article by Kent Hughes, again, I want to let you know what sheep are really like. In describing sheep, 
Hughes once wrote, Among the animal kingdom, sheep seem to have come out on the short end. From all accounts, they are of limited intelligence. When it comes to finding food, they are definitely uncreative. As creatures of habit, they will follow paths through desolate places, even though not far away is excellent forage. Sheep are also given to listless wandering. There have even been accounts of their walking into open fire. Shepherds confirm that they are timid and stubborn. They can be frightened by the most ridiculous things, though at other times nothing can move them. They are absolutely defenseless. They take the most work. In other words, sheep need a shepherd. No natural defenses, remember? They need someone to lead them to water and food. They fall behind someone they trust who will lead them to what they need for life. From Psalm 20, the 23rd Psalm, we learn that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And then in Matthew 9, verse 36, we hear that when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The people that Jesus looked at had shepherds in the Pharisees, but they weren't leading the people to life. They didn't really care about the sheep. They cared about the rules and the regulations more than the people. Most people are followers of one kind or another. We all have a little bit of what I call the herd instinct. We will follow our own desires if true leadership is missing. We need the good shepherd to lead us. This leads us to a few questions to ponder. Are we following the right shepherd or not? What's really important to us? Where do the people we watch and follow lead people? Do they really lead us to life or something else? Because there are a lot of people following a lot of things. And pay attention, the hired hand won't help you. Because they're busy going, oh, wolf? Yeah, no, this is the owner's problem. I'm out of here. I don't need a wolf to come get me. Remember, he's a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. There's a reason he says the. Because as we go through the 23rd Psalm and say, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Oh yeah. That is from knowing that he is Jehovah Ra'ah. The Lord is our shepherd. One more thing I'd like to leave you with, something that I got from Philip Keller, who wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. He wrote these questions about us and the shepherd. Do I really belong to him? Do I really recognize his right to me? 
Do I respond to his authority and acknowledge his ownership? Do I find freedom and complete fulfillment in this arrangement? Do I sense a purpose and a deep contentment because I am under his direction? Do I know rest and repose besides, a, besides or with that a definite sense of exciting adventure in belonging to him? Before I can say he is my shepherd, I have to answer these questions. Before we can be his sheep, we have to answer these questions. One more. Who or what do we truly worship? Jehovah Ra'ah or some other shepherd? Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks and praise that you knew we needed the shepherd. Jesus, thank you for coming and being our shepherd and guiding us well. Thank you for loving us so much that you join us all together in this body to worship you. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, amen.